Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Carla Crespo has had two crucial dogs in her life, Lucky and Daisy, at two separate and important points in her life. From being a mother to being an entrepreneur, her dogs have been by her side, and she has grown alongside them. When Carla adopted Daisy, they were both going through transition and helped each other through many ups and downs. This is a beautiful story of how Carla's dogs have helped inspired her in all areas of her life. Hey Carla, welcome to Dog Save the People. Thank you, thank you. Hi John, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the studio today. It's such a beautiful day here in New York and we were both talking about how lucky we are to be able to walk down this particular street is the flower district of new york yes it's one of my favorite places in the city and i love just walking through it it feels like heaven on yeah. earth here <laughs> yeah it does especially right now because everything's in bloom and so everything that they're selling is yeah. in bloom and yeah it. it's magical i love it, it very really magical is. yes and it makes me fall in love with new york again i know me too <laughs> i love it so I'm so happy to have you here. You have a really exciting, empowering story. I wanted to begin, just kind of go back a little bit and ask you about your first dog, Lucky, and if you yes. can tell me a little bit about him and what your life was like with him. Sure. Oh, I think about Lucky and I just, it melts my heart mm -hmm. because I miss him every day. But yeah. I'm so grateful that, you know, he picked us, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we rescued him. I was working as a vet tech at the time because I thought I wanted to become a veterinarian. Yeah. And then I soon realized that that part of, you know, working with dogs was not what I wanted. Right. And that's fine for some people. It's okay, but it didn't speak to my heart. And I had a friend who said to me that there was a golden retriever mm -hmm. that was going to uh, the local shelter because the family was getting divorced. Wow. And I always Which dreamed very about... Unusual. Yes. I thought the same thing. He was about 10 months. Mm -hmm. And they called me over and I went right away, <laughs> no stop, past green lights. Yep. And I pulled over and the minute he saw me, he ran right to me and sat down and looked up. And it was love. <laughs> and I completely said, I'm taking him home. And we brought him home. And since that day, he was basically, you know, the glue that binded the family. Mm -hmm. It's something that was so magical, so remarkable. We, my husband and I had our daughter at a very young age. And so through that process, we were going through some really tough family times. And Lucky was always there. He was my therapist, my angel. There were times where I could talk to him about anything and he would lick the tears off my face. You know, just when I thought that I felt lonely and I had no one to talk to, yeah. he was there for me. Yeah. And I completely was so grateful for that from him because he gave us his heart and in return, we gave him ours. But I will tell you a quick story. With the very first day that we brought him home, we went to uh, Pennsylvania for the weekend. And he was new to us. And we were walking by like a little lake. And he jumped in. And I freaked out. And I'm telling my husband, you need to jump in and save the dog. He needs to jump in and save the dog. And as my husband is taking off, you know, his shoes, 
there's Lucky paddling away like, hey guys, I got this. Yeah. I'm a golden retriever. I love it, you know? <laughs> and so we just laughed and we're like, oh, okay, we have, we're getting to know each other as a family. Watching him just jump into the water and we pulled ourselves back. So it taught us as parents to not just react really quickly and just go save your child, right? So when my husband was teaching my daughter how to ride her bike, for example, or even he taught me how to ride my bike, sometimes we have to slow down and not be so quick to just react and rescue yes. and save, but rather let the fall happen or let whatever happens because there's a lesson there, yes, you know? I so what that. he taught us at that moment, because the kids were younger, is guys, just you know, sit back and let the kids be kids or let, you know, he knows how to swim. He knows he's capable. So rather than jumping in and rescuing him or trying to grab him, thinking he was in danger, he was perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. So he taught us as parents to just take a step back and really allow things to happen and trust that everything's going to be okay. Wow. And that was probably his first time he'd ever been swimming. Yes. And it just came. And it just came naturally, naturally. to him. And I have pictures. I probably have more pictures of him than the rest of the family. But <laughs> that I makes have, sense. Right? I, I have pictures of him swimming. And it was just, you know, so beautiful to watch. And was basically a brother to my two daughters. Mm -hmm. And for those that aren't dog people, when you would say something like he was part of our family, how do you describe that? Or how can you help other people understand that? It's a feeling. It's looking beyond past what you see from the exterior. So even though they can walk differently from us, you know, they have fur or don't have fur, they adapt so well to their surroundings as long as they're nurtured with love, just like us, yes. right? So, yes. so in essence, we're the same. Our souls are the same. We're just looking for that connection and that energy from each other. And I think that when that is found or you are open to finding that in a dog and a family member, that's so important to just be able to receive. And so it's looking past what you see with our naked eyes, yes. right? With our human eyes, but rather looking through our hearts. Wow. You mentioned how Lucky in some ways acted almost as a family therapist for you and your husband and your daughters and helped you through in some ways uh, difficult times. How did that, how did he do that? Can you give me an example? Sure. Oh, there are so, so many, um, especially when the kids were younger, but the more impactful ones were when my daughter was leaving and we were going through hard times. There were times in the household where, you know, voices got raised and you just didn't know what to do. And Lucky would literally come into the room and sit in the middle of all of us. And it was almost like our attention just had to go to him because he's almost saying like, okay, no one is getting a word in. No one is hearing each other. You guys need to take a break and just... You know, so he would come and sit in front of me and look up at me and I would have no choice but to look at him. So he was very, very good like that. Wow. You know, he would always come into the room and just be so calm that he didn't like the energy when it was, you know, robust or too loud. You know, so we would actually pause and take a moment and we go, okay, all right. Lucky's not feeling this moment. Okay, we got to stop. You know, we don't want him to. It's okay. And so he would help us to, to you know, just simmer it down just a little bit, you know. Yeah, that help was you so redirect. Helpful. Help us to redirect. And yeah, to absolutely. Yeah. And I would say one of the more bigger impactful ones was when my daughter left. And she was 21. And it was the one of many times that she had left. But when she was younger, I used to chase after her. 
as you know any parent would do right you know she got started with friends that were not necessarily in her best interest and this last time i decided i can't do this i have to let her go and he was right there with me and he helped me to be okay with letting her go and i don't know if I would have been able to get through that moment. Like that moment when the door closes, that was hard. And he was sitting right there with his head under my hand. And it was so soothing that I so needed that from him. And it was like he knew he would not move. He knew that that's what I needed. So that was my therapy. That was my moment where I knew, you know. And so he, how old was he when you adopted him? He was 10 months. Okay. Yes. So, we had him uh, for 16 years. Wow. And so he passed and that was really, really hard because to us, my husband included, we were losing a son. Sure. Around the same time we were having issues with our daughter. We were going through really troubled times in our marriage and it was just a really crucial, hard time to go through. But we tried to support each other as best we could and we decided to move. So I waited about two and a half years before I started to get the uh, sort of the inkling, the butterfly. And to me, it was lucky telling me it's time. Mm -hmm. It's time to honor me in a different way by rescuing another dog. So that's what we did. So I searched out and I found Daisy. We were about to close on our townhouse in, in Peekskill. And I got this nudge and there was this feeling. And I said to my husband, I just have to find whoever it is that he wants me to find. I saw uh, Muddy Paws Rescue, their Instagram. Yeah, I love Muddy Paws. Right? They do great They're work. They're so great. I mean, it's fantastic the work that they do. Yes. But I saw her picture. She was pregnant mm -hmm. inside a kennel from Alabama. And they were advocating, asking for help to bring her to New York. And then I kind of like, oh, I don't know if... How, how that big of a thing is going to be, if that's going to be a lot of work. I'm not really sure. Yeah. And so I kind of just, you know, didn't think about it for a day or two. But my mind kept going back. And so I looked again, and they put an update that they found a foster home for her. And the foster home was two blocks from where I was living on the Upper East Side. <laughs> and so I felt so, I was like, this could not be any easier. Right. It's like, really lucky? You're really making it impossible yeah. for me to say no right <laughs> now. You know? And so I went to see her and I met the foster mom. And we are still in touch today. I sent her pictures That's all the time. wonderful. She, you know, showed me the eight puppies that Daisy had. And Daisy just gave me a look. And it brought me back right, it, it was almost like I was rewinding the videotape in my head and I remembered when Lucky looked at me and he stared me in the eyes like, you belong to me. It was like our souls were connected. Mm -hmm. And I felt that again. And I said, okay, this is, this is him. This mm -hmm. is the one that he's sending mm -hmm. me to. And I said, I'm, you know, the puppies I know are all adopted, but sure. I want the mama. Yeah. And John, I had my first daughter when I was 18 years old. And Daisy was only a year and a half when she had her puppies. Which is very young. It's very young. Yeah. So I could see in her eyes that she wanted something more. She just wanted the best dog life that she can have. Kind of like where I was transitioning in my life. We were mirroring each other, basically. Brought her home. 
and you know what she pooped and peed upstairs and she did everything we could do and we were like okay what do we just get ourselves into <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know uh we're about to pack and leave and we just adopted a new dog and we don't know her personality yet we quickly learned that she was afraid of men how was it with your husband and her he was okay in the beginning but he was kind of used to letting go of the fact that you know no other dog can ever be lucky right that was his boy sure. we have two girls so lucky was our only that was son. Your son yeah <laughs> so he had a little bit of a oh i don't know about this and then i said you know she's really tugging on my heartstrings we're gonna be okay and then i brought her home and she was afraid mm-hmm. i kind of thought for a second maybe this isn't the right home for her maybe she needs just you know, an owner that's female, right. that doesn't have any kids, and then, you know, all of you go down the list of sure. what's best for them. But then just the thought of, you know, not having her just broke my heart for some reason. And I only had her for 24 hours, basically. I started to walk her from five in the morning to six, 6.30 in the morning every day. She's going to learn by trusting me. She doesn't know where she is. She came from Alabama. She's on the Upper East Side where there's tons of noise and you see how New York City is, right? And so my husband did not walk her at all in the very beginning. I took her on for three weeks. And one day we were walking through Central Park and I sprained my ankle. So I told my husband, well, you kind of don't have a choice now. You you guys are going to have to like get to know each other, you know? Sink or Um, swim. Sink or swim. But it kind of, it's amazing how the universe just like plays this out, right? How it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be in the right timing. You know, and so by that point, she was much better. She was, you know, doing her business outside, being consistent. And so next thing you know, he starts walking her. And I'm like, so how come you're not outside for an hour and a half or an hour? Now it's 45 minutes, it's 35 minutes. And I'm like, wait a second, these two are becoming bosom buddies Uh over here, you know? And it was beautiful to watch how she was slowly starting to trust him. And slowly not bowing her head down as much. But now really looking forward to him coming home. It wasn't just me. You know, she's a lab cattle dog mix. And cattle dogs are talkers. Yes. So at first she would, you know, make those noises just when I would walk in the house. Right. Oh, gosh, John. Now it's like she goes past me. She goes right running to my house. Oh, isn't that wonderful? (laughs) And she's completely, the two of them are just, you know, inseparable. It's really, really amazing. It's really amazing to watch. Eventually, he fell in love with her as well. Yes. I think during those walks, Mm -hmm. they got to connect. They were able to bond. You know, they were able to bond. And I think that, you know, he let go of the idea of this is not a replacement for Lucky. But rather, this is us honoring him and opening our doors to another family member in his honor. And that's our, that's our bond and our contract with him. Yes. Is that we'll always you know, open the door and give a dog a home and welcome them into our family. That's a beautiful so, legacy. And yeah. I feel like that's something to really share with so many people. Well, I think that one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from both of them, right, from their souls, is that... We need to learn how to lean into the pain because on the other side of that pain, you evolve and you grow. Exactly. You guys were moving from New York City to yes. Peekskill, New York. Yes. How far away is Peekskill? <laughs> Peekskill on, on the uh, Metro North. It's about a 50-minute ride. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. When you're driving, it's a little bit more. Yeah. You know, and then in traffic, it's even a little bit more. Sure. But we completely love it. 
And we had not thought that we would be living up there, you know, or leaving the city for that matter. But when we adopted Daisy, it was an even firmer affirmation of, we just want to be somewhere a little bit more quieter, where there's more grass and there are more trees and it's just more serene. We were just calling in a more serene surrounding, you know, for ourselves. And it kind of just all happens just magically in the right moment, you know, the right time. And how was Daisy in that transition? For the first couple of weeks or months, I would say, it was a little different because we were living on the 26th floor in a high-rise apartment on the Upper East Side. And once the 2nd Avenue train opened, it became even more congested (laughs) and even harder to park the car or find a park to walk the dogs in and, you know, things like that. And we wanted to have an easier transition for them so when we moved there she kind of was unsure again but it was it's much quieter Mm -hmm. so it was good for her too and as we you know unpacked and we got settled in you know then became just a routine of taking them out and walking by the riverfront and she loves it oh that's great loves it that's great and so it's a little bit more of a rural setting yes or and much quieter yes much quieter yeah much much quieter which i know is great for i think is great for dogs although you know some not some dogs all dogs that i know they love new york city yeah. you just have to adjust yes you really lucky love new york city uh-huh. i mean new york city was his you know stomping grounds <laughs> type of thing you know he even though he was a golden retriever but we would take him out to swim in pennsylvania go to you know jersey take him to state parks and things like that so we took him out almost every weekend so he can get his exercise and daily walks but he loved being in new york city he absolutely loved it i love it yeah so what did daisy teach you when you first got her when she first entered your life Oh, wow. So many things. Um, At this point, my daughter had moved out at the age of 21 under not so great circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that as a mother and for my husband as a father, as parents, it was very hard. And I think that part of us wanting to leave was just also to have a fresh start. Sure. She's in a much better place now, but it's still up and down. But we've learned, especially me, I've learned the lesson of letting go, right? And allowing the other person's journey to be their journey. Absolutely. And that's really, really hard to do as a parent. Yes. And so around that time was when we adopted Daisy. And as I started to want more for myself, as I started to realize my passion, as I started to connect with more people, I started to just wonder, what would my life look like if I became an entrepreneur? And I didn't know what the answer was. It was almost like she was the exclamation point that was telling me, yes, you are transitioning, and that's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. Just trust the process. Because she didn't know what was happening to her when she was coming from Alabama, and then she was in a foster home, and then now she's with me, and we're strangers to her. And it was almost like she was sending me that lesson, right? Just trust the process. And let's just learn through this together. You're going to teach me some stuff. I'm going to teach you some stuff. And, you know, we're just going to make this happen. And I started to realize I just want to be with her. I want to be home. I want to do my thing. I want to inspire other people that when you're transitioning in your life, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, just go inward and do what feels good to you. And what is your thing? So my thing is now, <laughs> I love to say it, but I'm an empowerment coach yeah. and a motivational speaker. 
and I create workshops for primarily women, but I'm going to open it up to men too. Because actually my husband said to me at the last workshop, you know, I have some stuff to say too. So I want to be able to get up there and talk to, you know, Fantastic. and just because as a father and as a man, he has his perspective of how we've pivoted as well. So I'm like, okay, babe, we're going to work on that. We're going to work on that. Um, and what is an, what is an, I think I know what it is, but what's an empowerment coach? I work with women who are transitioning in their life, right? Who are not exactly sure what their gifts are or what their passion mm-hmm. is. They just know they like to, let's say, for example, cook right. or they like to garden yeah. or they like to, but it's just a pastime for them and they don't realize that this is an actual gift, right? Yeah. That their soul is craving for. And so I work with them to help them tap into that and use that as a way to nurture their soul. And it could be something where they might want to do it on their own or maybe they want to leave their desk job and do something else and they're afraid because they don't know what it's going to look like, you know, and really taking that risk and coming back home to your soul is what this movement is all about. For so many years, I did not speak my truth out of fear of judgment. For so many years... Neither one of us shared our hardships and our story because of embarrassment and shame. Sure. And we need to support each other and, and help lift each other, no matter what that looks like for the other person. You know? So that's what this, this movement is really about. And you mentioned the idea of, of coming home to your soul, but also for you, it was the idea of coming home and being able to work from home. Yes. And being able There's to be with Daisy. With that. There's a freedom where I'm not checking in and coming in and working for someone else, mm-hmm. but rather my day starts with walking Daisy by the riverfront. Yeah. You know, like that's my ideal morning. That's ideal for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Walking her in the morning, you know, for an hour. I'm not talking a five minute walk, but yeah. for an hour and, and then come back home and then do my work that is meaningful to me and having her there with me. And having her right by your side. Yeah. 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 And so what is the name of your company? The Grateful Heart Co. (laughs) The Grateful Heart Co. The Grateful Heart Co., yes. Started out as a grateful blog because just writing about gratitude really shifted my mindset to be um, grateful for the lessons, right? I'm a big advocate that your mess becomes your message. Mm, I love that. Yeah. You go through these hard times and on the other side of that pain, you evolve. Daisy is such a big part of it because if anyone would have looked at her in the beginning, you know, and her not being trained and her being afraid of men she needs a quiet house Mm -hmm. with just a woman Mm -hmm. and she's never going to bond with my husband but through time through consistent love and nurturing it changes and she now is living the best doggy life i mean this girl is just a barrel of laughs i mean she makes us crack up i i run to go home to her because I want to hear her basically tell me, where have you been all day? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so I want to be home with her. Yeah. You know, all the time, bring her to my workshops and just talk about how important it is to be open to receive these lessons that these dogs teach. I mean, she's my family. You can sense it every minute of the day that she's so grateful that she is now in her forever home with a family that loves her. You know, whenever I'm having a bad day or a bad moment... You know, I just go and I hug my dog. I hug Daisy. And she instantly just, I feel it in my body, the tingles. It instantly just melts away whatever is ailing me at the moment. You know, I'd rather do that than take, you know, Advil. 
already, you know what I so, mean? Yeah, it's like, so yeah, so she it, truly she, is your medicine. She, yeah. I have a quote here that says that uh, you were describing Daisy and you said, there's always room for a second act, a yes. second chance, and it's yeah. never too late and it doesn't have to be planned. Yeah. I am definitely in my second act. The curtain was pulling for the second act. And Daisy reminded me of that. Growing up, John, I, I was raised to just work. You know, you put your head down, you work a nine to five, mm -hmm. you get your paycheck every Friday, you pay your bills, and that's it. Yeah. You know, you don't really dream unless you have, you know, the big master degree and you do, you know, you work this amount of hours and you need to make this X amount of money before you consider yourself successful. And, you know, reaching success, reaching freedom, it's all right there. It's how you choose to see that perspective, right? And as I started to ponder in the beginning, do I really want to do this? How will it affect my family? You know, our finances, we're just about to move. It's, we're going to, new friends, new, you know, it's a totally new town. And I said, okay, all right, Daisy, this is our second act. And so as I helped her through her second act, we were in parallel. So she's helping me in my second act. It's really a That's beautiful awesome. thing. <laughs> so, Carla, where can we find you online? How can people find out more about your work? I have started a movement called Share Your Voice. Yes. Same name as the podcast. I have a workshop that's coming up on June 1st, which I'm really excited about. It's my biggest one yet. This is a global movement, John. It's going to be huge. And, you know, I want to just really advocate for speaking up and sharing that. So for me, uh, my Instagram is The Grateful Heart Co. And I'm also on Facebook, The Grateful Heart Co. Okay. And my website is The Grateful Heart Co. <laughs> Wonderful. Is it The Grateful Heart Co. Yes. Dot, dot com. Dot com. Yes. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to look for it. And what a pleasure to have you with oh, us today. Thank you so and much. I feel like I know Lucky and Daisy so well <laughs> now. And it really speaks to this beautiful connection that we have yeah. with our pets and with right. animals alongside us as we go through our journey right. and our challenges and our difficulties and really that dialogue of the two souls right i can't wait to get back to my dogs now <laughs> i gotta go <laughs> me too me too daisy's waiting for me <laughs> i'm sure i can hear her thank you so much thank you thank you, you. When I first met Carla, the impression was this enormous smile, this enormous warmth, and she went right in for a hug right away. And it was such a great New York moment because a lot of people think of New Yorkers as kind of cool and cold and a little bit distant. And she exemplifies what I love about New York, which is this true warmth of people. We talked about our dogs, and she went right in to tell me about her story of both her dogs, Lucky and Daisy, and how they were right by her side during so many different times in her life, both difficult and happy, and how they have inspired her and informed her and really guided her to a new and exciting life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio, and it's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this show, please leave a review or rating. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.